This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a Premier League lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you in, you Reds? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards, points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hear that? That's the sound of a patient whose health data is protected from a cyber attack. And that, that's the sound of a financial system that's digitally secured from bad actors. Right now, there's an invisible war being fought on a digital battlefield that impacts what we do every day. That's why at Paraton, we do the can't be done to help protect the vital systems we rely on. Because if we don't, the alternative is unimaginable. Paraton. The Reds Report on The Vibe. Sponsored by Opium, the number one indie bar in Barnsley. This is for the fans. The Vibe. Very good morning, afternoon, evening, uh, whenever you're watching or listening to us, really. This is The Reds Report, Steve Andrews and Carlo Van Watering. Um, in this episode, uh, we you will be hearing from Simon Davey. Uh, about that cup run of 0708. When again, uh, we, uh, we we featured um, on the BBC um, against the team from the Premier League, in that case, Chelsea, which we overcame. We heard from the players. Now you're going to hear from the man in charge of the team. Uh, you'll also hear from um, the official uh, UK-based Orlando FC uh, supporters club in regards to the newest deadline day signing, Daryl DK and not Daryl Dyke, like I keep remembering my colleague Steve. Uh, but now with us, um, always good to talk to him uh, from BBC Radio Haven and BBC Radio Sheffield. It's Adam Oxley. Adam, first of all, um, a, an eventful few months off the pitch um, for you. How are you and how's the family? Uh, the family is uh, very well. Thank you very much. Uh, my uh, twin boys are approaching four months old now. So, Angie, you can imagine that life has changed a, a little bit. Um, having twins in a global pandemic was was never really part of the life plan. But, hey, you've just got to get on with it, haven't you? Um, they're, they're brilliant. Thank you very much for asking. Very good. And, Steve, how are you keeping? Uh, getting better, mate, day by day. Um, you know, it's tough for everybody. You've got to keep fighting, got to keep going. Um, and, yeah, yeah, get in there. You, and, and you say that, but, you know, you like you said, you, you had the coronavirus. You live with somebody who's extremely vulnerable. Worrying times, though, isn't it? I don't want to talk about football and ignore that we all have personal lives and, and things are sometimes they're difficult, aren't they? Yeah. 
she is worrying times. Um, I mean, a friend of mine this week, funnily enough, uh, they've got, got corona and they've not been out of house for six months. So it just makes sure how it, how it actually gets in. Uh, it is, it's, it's very frightening. It's very frightening for some people, especially for people who are living on their own, etc. So, you know, you've got to be aware. Let's all be a good neighbour, that sort of thing. Uh, and I suppose if you want, look after each other. Yeah, definitely. And one of the distractions for many is football, because um, elite sport is obviously has, has continued. And especially for Barnsley, because Adam, a very successful December. Um, if, if you take the Bournemouth result away, the local derbies especially, when you get three points away at Wednesday, it always feels like six because it is a massive club. Um, then Rotherham as well. Um, that was followed by a slightly more difficult January and purely because it, there were the teams in the top six. But overall, as we, at the end of January, we find ourselves in 12th position. We'd have taken that any time of the day because that's really good for a team with our wage structure and one of the youngest squads in the league. 100%. Um, I think in terms of if you look at where Barnsley were last summer, look at what happened, look at, at how late it was to uh, maintain the championship status, which was literally minutes, let's remind everyone, I'm sure nobody needs reminding, but to go from that to change manager, um, to, to go to a, a sort of style of play that's got people excited to scoring goals, um, I think Barnsley are in a wonderful position at the minute. And yes, when you don't get the results, as has happened over recent weeks, um, a certain percentage of football fans will come out of the woodwork, will, will take to their keyboards and will worry her away and will profess that this is wrong and that's wrong and everything else. But for me, the, the results under Valerian Ishmael have been extremely impressive. You've got to look at the opposition that Barnsley have played, particularly since the turn of the year. Look at those individual games. Barnsley have competed very well uh, with the best teams in the division. Some individual errors haven't helped um, that have been well documented. Um, but for for a team, I'm going to say it, for a team like Barnsley... <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Nearly stopped myself. But... <laughs> But from where Barnsley are, you mentioned it, uh, Carlo, for the wage structure and, and everything that's with the club. Um, I know we'll talk signings in a bit, but I think Barnsley are in a fabulous position. And if, for whatever reason, this season tails off, and I'm not suggesting it will, and Barnsley finish up, say, 16th or 17th, but I don't know, eight, nine points clear of the bottom three, then that's huge progress. And that's how it's got to be viewed, in my opinion. Good. Yeah, and I'd like to think, Steve, that you know we we'd like to bring an informed podcast. So when the match against Derby was called off, I was astounded, I was furious, I was flabbergasted, whatever explicitive you can you can come up with, that people were saying, "Have we got underground heating? Have we got drainage?" I can't remember the last time a match was called off, but when you've seen the weather we were having, and what you know, there's no new pitch laid because the summer break was so short. We've had terrible weather, which seems like from October onwards, with rain, with snow. Um, I think everybody's doing the best. And, and every now and then you just have to take it and say, you know what, we couldn't be playing. And when you saw the picture, Steve, I'm sure you agreed, that was unplayable, wasn't it? Oh, you, you, no, you couldn't have played on that. I mean, we've commented on pitch um, quite a number of times over the last, last couple of months. Uh, I know Adam, obviously, going around to different different stadiums, uh, thinks Barnsley's along with Swansea's 
are definitely two of the worst pitchers that that must be in the championship at the minute. But like you said, yeah, um, normally it's a really good draining pitch at Oakwell. We have got under soil eating, we know that, but that that's neither here nor there when it when it puts three, four, five centimeters of water down. Um, you know what I expected to do. Exactly. Um, what was really important, I think, that during that difficult January, Adam, I mean, I say difficult January, three losses, two draws and an FA Cup win. So it wasn't even that bad, really. Um, it was always, I think the mood of the fans always depended on, you know, are we going to sign another striker? Because people were sort of screaming out. And with the people going out, um, Ismail had said, you know, that, that was he was targeting. Um, but should we not underestimate that actually we've kept Alex Mowat as well? So... DK signs on deadline day. Morris comes in from Norwich, yet to really see anything of him. Liam Kitchen, we haven't seen yet because he's been injured, but he's a huge prospect as well. And we've done all right, actually, haven't we? Given the fact that there is no money coming into the club because there's no fans. Um, to bring people in and to keep hold of your captain that's very much in demand, job done. Uh, yeah, uh, as Dane Murphy was sort of uh, pointing out last week when he did uh, some press as well, I've lost track of the amount of times over the years that we've talked about transfer windows when Barnsley have sold their better players. And normally for all the, I'm going to say, right reasons, uh, for example, uh, money's been offered or better wages have been offered and the players thought that they would like to move on. I know lots of fans would have liked to see several players stay when they've left, but the realities of football is I can't think of many um, that, Barnsley would have prevented from moving elsewhere. Now, should they have stayed anyway because they could have had a better career at Barnsley? That's a conversation that we could have for about 10 hours. I've done some research on that yeah. in the past and there's loads of players that should have stayed that moved on. They've probably got more money because of it. But for me, um, all the three signings at the minute on paper look pretty good. You know, we're hearing exciting things about Daryl DK, which is great. Carlton Morris, I've seen quite a bit. I think he's a really solid player and deserves a chance um, in the championship. But to keep Styles Woodrow Mowat through this window, when there was lots of discussion throughout the entire month uh, about all three, particularly Styles and Mowat, given Mowat's contract situation, um, for Barnsley is a big statement, really. Mowat may go in the summer, but so may Styles, so may Woodrow, so may whoever on. But in terms of Barnsley this season, with the squad that was there, with the few players that have been brought in, uh, I think keeping hold of them three puts Barnsley in a really strong position for achieving the main objective, which is getting to that 50-point mark and then seeing what else happens. Yeah. During the week, Adam, if I can ask you, um, Ishmael did come out and said that we did receive a late bid for one of our top players, if you would. Do you think that would have been for Moit or do you think for possibly Woodrow or Styles or one of the others? It's a very good question. I would have thought personally it would have been for Styles or Moet. Um, just because of the season that Callum Styles is having, there's lots of interest being discussed about him anyway, and the fact that Moat was out of contract. Um, who there'd be lots of clubs that would look at Alex Moat being out of contract and think mm, that's probably worth a little nibble, you know, last minute, yeah. let's offer something that might not necessarily be what they're asking for, but we might get a player on the cheap a little bit there. Um, but the fact that Barnsley are, are, are courting interest in their best players shows that something is going right at Barnsley. And that's that's normally been the case when people want the players. And I think yeah. as well, and this is a purely personal uh, observation for me, I think Alec Mowat is a bit of a homebird 
he, he lives in Doncaster. He started his career with Leeds. He moved to Barnsley. Okay, he, he was sent out on loan, so he didn't really have a choice to Oxford. But he's very settled, isn't he? His family's up here. Um, anything that comes in from whether that be Millwall or whoever down south would have to be you know, a huge, almost life-changing amount because I think he likes it up here. And the fact that he's not gone doesn't mean if Barnsley kick on or if Barnsley solidate where, where they are at the moment, there's nothing stopping him from signing, a, you know, a, a contract sort of like later on, isn't it? So to me, him staying, for, that was for me always the, the number one. And I have faith in Romal Palmer, who we've seen, who is getting better and better every single week. And I'm slightly, I know I'm not going to ask Steve because he'll swear. I'm slightly disappointed we don't see much of a door because I think that would free up Styles in a probably more natural um, position. But then you can't really say that because he plays out on the wing and, and, and look how he's playing for us. Um, however, some of the players that have left, Adam, Schmidt, Green, Christy Davies, Thomas, Simoes, all on loan or on permanent moves. And um, is that because... The players, the handful of, of players in that squad he's got are performing, or do you think actually this this spreadsheet and this data analysis that they use to bring players in might need adjusting a little bit? Because um, Schmidt, for instance, overall very very little game time. Um, Thomas started the season his, his first match. He got the goal at home to Fulham, and then it's been bit appearances here or there. And I can't remember him in, in, in playing almost like a full ninety minutes. Is it just because some are consistent performers and these are not? Um, because that's quite a few attacking players all, all leaving the club in one window. Uh, it is, but I think if you look at those individuals, then they've all um, done well in patches, in moments. They've come on and good sub-appearances, uh, a few games here or there. But if we're being brutally honest, was any of us really surprised when those players have departed for whatever reason, not massively. Um, I, I like them all for different reasons. I think Simoesh is very much a get your attitude right and come back. We've heard what yeah. Valerian Ishmael yeah. said very yeah. uh, forthrightly and seems to be doing okay at, at, at Doncaster. And then if he comes back in, his attitude changed or he sees whatever else. I, I interviewed Alex Simoesh the other week with the shoe on the other foot and he very much disagreed with what Valerian Ishmael was saying and thought that he just didn't fit into the way that Ishmael wanted to play. Um, I could see Samoesh fitting into the way that, that Barnsley play. All right. Um, and we've seen little bits and pieces and some good goals from him. Schmidt, did he have enough opportunity? Possibly not. Mm, but no, did, did no he I take, don't think he did. did. Did he? But did he take the opportunities that he had enough? Possibly not again. You know, that... Yeah. He will always be remembered and thanked for the goal against Forest. I was there at that game. Without that, Barnsley don't stay up last season. Um, you could make arguments for and against with him. Thomas, I think, did okay. But clearly, there's a bit of a, a rub with the character there. Um, you know, I think he's come out swinging now that he's gone down to Ipswich with what he's been saying. Um, and, uh, you know, he was in and around the squad, but clearly wanted to start every week. So... Yeah. I don't think there's a problem with the model. I don't think we should criticise the model. Look at the, the look at the head coaches that have been brought in that we've all yeah. questioned, and every single one of them's done well. A lot of the signings have been uh, pretty good. Yeah, there's been a couple of duff ones from from abroad that haven't really worked, but I I don't see any great concern with that. I think you're not going to get everything right, and if if certain players aren't playing week in week out and aren't right at the very top of the game, then a lone hero there's not necessarily a bad approach. No. Um, Steve, I'll ask you this I one think... first. 
Oh, the, on, only, the only thing that's disappointing. Oh, sorry, go on. No, no go I was going to say, I think only disappointing thing, only, only thing with the players that's gone out um, would be Christy Davis because we've not really seen anything of him. He's sort of come in, gone into under 23s, supposed to be, you know, next big thing, sort of, you know. Um, same as the striker that we've signed that went straight down to Stevenage. Ages. He's come in, he's played some games, got some good report, then he's gone out again as though he's not. He's still not good enough to make that step up to first to first team. And I suppose you have to look at the loan. Some of these are loans, so they'll get the football that they so desperately needs. And then either two things will happen: they've they're ready to come back to the championship and will fit in, or they will most well all of them are under contract even at the end of this season, and therefore we can ask money for them and, and almost I suppose recoup some of the. Well, not losses, but there's an investment to be made in a player. We'll recoup whatever we can and sell them on to either, you know, whatever club or, or league are, are interested. And um, Steve, I'll ask you this first before I ask Adam. We're currently 12th in the league. Besides survival, which even Simon Davies said to us, that's always been the number one priority. What realistic ambitions do you think um, the club should be looking at now? Uh, they've been ambitious, even in this window, to bring somebody from the MLS, you know, um, they, they, they've steered off bids for, for for players. What realistic ambition? Where would you like to see us go now? With twelve, well, I, think, I think if the season finished today, we've got to be happy. Oh, what yeah. a fant- from from last season and last couple of seasons. Again, like Adam said, we are a selling club. Your Pinnocks, your Lindsays, etc. We the only way we make money is bring a player through and then ideally sell him. Um, for for more, uh, you know, I'm quite happy with 12th. I think that's a brilliant. That'd be brilliant if we finish today. Go towards end of season. Yeah, we have got some good young players. DK coming in, like you say, we've just spoken to to Taylor from Orlando Supporters Club, who who sang his praises massively. Um, you know, we could push any higher. I know there's people would say, oh yeah, we need to get a playoff place, this that and other. I personally would not want to because it would be too much change. We haven't got a good enough squad to go up to, to Premiership. I think we need to consolidate what we've got now. Uh, we've got to, as long as we stop up from last season, we're ten points clear at bottom three. I think that'd be a fantastic achievement. Adam, from an, uh, an uh, a neutral point, you, you said it before. I mean, for Barnsley. To be safe in this division with two or three games to play is 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 is, is progress, isn't it? Finding ourselves in twelfth and um, anywhere between here and the relegation places would be classed as a success, not? Yeah, definitely. Um, if you look at probably the wages that Barnsley play compared to everybody else, I imagine the bottom six in terms of the wages that Barnsley are playing this year. You know, they might be um, massively above the likes of Rotherham and Wickham, who are the two with the smallest budgets. Uh, in the division, it'd be substantially more, but not as much as several other, uh, particularly former Premier League sides. Uh, for me, for Barnsley, a, a top half finish this season would be a huge achievement. Um, and I know Barnsley are in the top half, and some people will hear me say, oh, yeah, but we could make the playoffs. Yeah, you could. Absolutely could make the playoffs. I think um, pretty much most teams in the Championship would think that they, they could make the playoffs. Um, but I, I just I, I look at all the other teams around um, and think that if Barnsley can go from a miracle in surviving last season 
and that's what it was with the circumstances, to then going into mid-table and even potentially finishing the top half. I think that's great progress. What happens then is a very interesting conversation um, in the summer or whatever else. Um, I still think it's... (laughs) you'd have similar ambitions for me. You're looking for that dream season. Like Barnsley had, when they went up to the Premier League, you're looking for all the pieces to fall into play to then go up. The one thing I will say, though, if Barnsley do, by some miracle, finish in the top six this season and do get promoted, then I entirely agree with everything that's been said. You've just got to take it. (laughs) You've just got to take it. Barnsley may not be ready for it, but nobody's ever ready, really. Just just take it. And I think as well, isn't it, in a time where um, money is, is is tight, I feel a simply red song coming on, um, money is tight, <laughs> uh, there, are no, there are no fans coming into the stadium, so y- you need to be meticulous with the money that you've got. And I think sometimes, of course, I'm, I'm pretty sure Dave Murphy would have loved to sign three or four other players, but they have to balance the books and everything has to be done in order for Barnsley FC to be able to exist another five, six, seven, eight, nine seasons, isn't it? And I need to ask you, though, um, Adam, because um, I've not got it on the list of questions, but when you were just talking, your work goes on. I know there's restrictions within the BBC. Is it like you do home matches now and you provide the commentary for the away side for their BBC region kind of thing? So currently where we're at is that we, we can attend home games. So all the home games we go to and attend as we were before. Um, away games, it's uh, BBC national policy. While we're in lockdown, this form of lockdown, that we're not allowed to travel. So either the uh, opposition BBC station uh, provides the commentary for us, as we saw with Rotherham at Preston at the weekend. BBC Radio Lancashire did that. Or we get a feed, whether it's um, off, TV or I follow or or something different where we can do what's what is termed as off tube commentary. So back at base, it's it's me, it's potentially for for Barnsley, say um, Mark Crossley or Derek Parker, and we do it off the telly. So at least it's we're not at the ground, but you get your local voices in, and you get people that you know are invested in your club. But not do you ideal. get a better I follow? Do you get a better I follow stream than? No. <laughs> but what 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 I will say to that though, I've done a couple of games off iFollow over the last month, and actually the the sort of quality of it's been great from from what I've experienced. It may be that obviously the computer we're doing it off at Radio Sheffield isn't too bad. Um, yeah. But I did uh, I did the Wednesday game off iFollow at the weekend, and um, it was great. It was it it didn't crash once. It it was fine. It was there before the game, and I found the picture quality fine it doesn't yeah. help with you not being there it, as a commentator it's i'm gonna say it's, it's rubbish really you want to be there at the game you want to experience it and everything else but it's better than the alternative so yeah. it's hard we, we're doing everything we possibly can to keep like all this plate spinning for all of our local clubs at the minute but i think there is an understanding and an appreciation from fans and from the audience and everything that we are living in pretty unusual times and yeah. that and that we're doing everything we possibly can and in, I mean, because we're going to go on and, and look at the FA FA Cup match on on Thursday. But as in in your job, how much different does it feel? Because I'm always, I listen back to some recordings of Barnsley matches um, last season, and there is almost like more emotion in the voice because of the reaction of the fans, the atmosphere in the stadium. It 
and you nobody can help this, but it feels very sterile when you watch it on iFollow. You know, you, you hear some of the people in the dugouts or, or whatever. How much different is it for you experiencing this? I mean, you're, you're privileged, I suppose, in a way, to still be able to, 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 well, not to do your job, but to be able to watch live football. But how much different is it to actually commentate on the match with no fans whatsoever? I think you just uh, you hit the nail on the head with a few things there. One, I'm very privileged to be able to work, full stop, um, and to be continuing to work, as I have done all the way through. Yet it's very different at work, lots of measures in place, reduced people. I spend parts of my week now working at home where I wasn't doing that before. Um, so, yeah, lots of different changes, but to still go to now half the games live is great. To still do the others is great. The fact that we're still doing all of that. But the the experience is very different. The experience at the grounds is very different. It has sort of new normalised, for want of a better phrase, without fans at the grounds now. We've been doing it that long. So, obviously, Project Restart started in June last year. Yeah. We're a fair way on from that. So it doesn't feel unusual now turning up to a game without fans, which is horrible to say, but that's genuinely how it feels. Um, but, yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, the, the excitement's still there, the, the, the passion's still there. Because you're able to go and the fans aren't able to go, you feel an extra sense of responsibility being their eyes and ears at the ground. But... Do I, can I not wait till I can go to every game again? Absolutely. Do I really want fans back, or, you know, in the words of X Factor, a million billion percent? Yeah. It's, it's weird, isn't it? Because I don't think, even from your job, you probably don't re realise that there's almost more expectation on you. Because where I would, as you well know, we would see each other in that little press room before when, you know, an unknown journalist will take all the pies and, and only ever leaves me with the chicken ones that I don't like. You know, there's no sugar left for the coffee. You go to the press box. Um, now, I, I obviously, I, I can't. And I, I, li I listen, uh, you know, I listen to BBC Radio Sheffield and it's almost like you're my eyes and ears, aren't you? Because I would, we would have normally... Um, do you, it, do you, does it feel... I know it feels different because of no fans. Do you feel there is more eyes and ears on you now than maybe before? Because you could argue that if you were doing a Barnsley match in commentary, the majority of the Barnsley fans would be in the stadium and, and they would be cheering on. Now, a good few thousand will, will be listening, won't they? So, does yeah, it feel... Yeah, yeah, I, 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 it does. But you feel that responsibility anyway. Well, I, I certainly do. Um, because the, the, the beauty of what we do on the radio is, you know, we are we are there to be the people that are painting that picture of the game to whoever is listening, wherever they're listening, whether they're abroad whether they're sat in their front room because they, they can't get out, whether they're travelling about in the car, whatever they're doing, um, that's the beauty of football commentary and, and local radio and everything that we do, is that we, we're there to, to provide that for you. And, you know, we're local people. We care. You know, I, I desperately want all of our local teams to do well. So it's great for the teams, but it's great for us as well. Yeah. You know, we get some great stories in you know, it'd be a shame this season because there's two or three clubs doing brilliantly well. You know, Donny could get a brilliant promotion. Barnsley could get the highest finish in the championship for a long time. Rotherham could survive in the championship, yeah. which would be absolutely incredible. Um, so there's some great stories there. And it is just a shame that, unfortunately, they, we don't have the fans there that, that can share in it, which then, yep, as you say, adds a little bit more responsibility on you to, to paint that picture. Can I just put you on spot, Adam, for a second, if you don't mind? 
We're only talking about Miami FC. Go for it. Oh, sorry. I missed it. Go for it. When you're doing your... I'll stick with Barnsley for this. Do you have a sort of a particular favourite commentary like doing it with one of the ex-players um i genuinely no um i i, I feel really, really lucky at radio sheffield with the people that we've got i feel um somebody like keith edwards who's done sheffield united commentaries for us for years and years and years is that experienced in it he knows when you know he knows when to come in a bit like Derek parker as well because they've done it, they know when to come in. So you naturally pause, they come in, and it sort of flows and bounces and all that kind of stuff. But, yeah, we're very lucky with the, the people that we get. You know, Ronnie Moore with Rotherham, yeah. Brian Laws with Sheffield Wednesday, uh, Derek and Mark Crossley with um, with Barnsley, um, and then Lee, Lee Turnbull. I, I recently did a, a game with him for Donny for the first time, and w- he was superb, really liked it. So... It'd be hard to nail my colours to one, and I'm not just edging my bets for the for the sake of this. But we are, we we are we are lucky to have some people that the fans and the clubs sort of hold in such high esteem doing the games with us because I think it does it does really help. Yeah. And and if you're ever stuck, I'll do out for a pork pie. And I've been walking. <laughs> so will I, mate. But 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 I'm not held in high regard. So anyway, um, right. So let's have a look then. The prize money for this FA Cup run that Barnsley are on will be will be most welcome because obviously we've talked about the lost revenue and everything. Um, the television rights, because it's on the BBC, again, it's a huge deposit into the club coffers. Absolutely fantastic. Um, Steve, I'll go with you first. How? What is the importance of this match? Is this a chance to go further and earn more money or actually it's it's all about the league and without fans, well, it's a bit shoddy anyway. So it's nice to be on telly, but... All concert, it should all be about the league from now on. Um, no, I mean, FA Cup is important. Um, lots and lots of football supporters hold the FA Cup, you know, in, in high esteem all over the world. And for us, as far as we have this time, and to be playing Chelsea again, um, you know, will Chelsea play a Wheaton side? I don't know. I watched them last night against Sheffield United. Um, I'll not say they were lucky to win. They were always in control of the game. But having said that, Sheffield, I didn't think, closed them down as much as we probably will on Thursday. So, you know, there were different aspects there. Uh, I looked at Timo Werner when he came off last night. It looked as though he got hamstring injury. So he might not play. Um, so, you know, we know Chelsea's got great depth for players they've got stick players there but it's it's something we can we can aspire to it'll be it'll not take no motivation everybody should be up 100% for the game on Thursday night and i think yeah we, it's something you know we've nothing to lose so go for it and who knows who knows where it could take us adam i suppose it, in in the club's eyes it's a win win we we play on the bbc and everybody is able to watch it. And we play against Chelsea. And it's almost like a reward, I suppose, for, for the fans because they've stuck with the team. But and on the financial side, um, you know, going through and now in the fifth round and the television money and and, and the prize winnings for every round um, has, has, has been more than welcome. So, um, like Steve says, it is a no-pressure game. And actually, Barnsley as underdogs, nobody fancies them. It's probably one of the rare matches when the players can go out and just enjoy and see where he gets them. 
they can, but you don't want to get hammered in games like this. And there's always that that danger when anybody comes up against one of the top sides in the Premier League. Do I think Barnsley will get hammered? No, I don't at all. I think it's going to be a great cup tie. Um, prize money is great. Um, the further you go in the cup, etc. But that's essentially for the bean counters. And I, I don't class any of us as bean counters. It's the FA Cup. It's cup football. There is not a great lot more magical than an, an underdog win in a significant round of the FA Cup. And that's what this is. You know, how much do we all look back on uh, that Liverpool, that Chelsea game of, of that season? Um, and these are moments to absolutely cherish. Go for it. You're absolutely right. No, no pressure on. You want to go and give a good account of yourself, particularly with the, the national glare and the viewing figures for the BBC uh, FA Cup games and the Premier League games have been really, really good, which shows absolutely the appetite is there. Um, but Bar- Barnsley have got got an opportunity here. They're doing some really good things in, in the Championship. If Chelsea turn up and play and play to the, what they're expected to do, they will win the game. But it's the FA Cup. So you just hold that little bit of hope that little bit of magic that Coyote Odegaard can just no, that sorry, we've gone back a bit there, haven't we? <laughs> that that, that Daryl DK can come in and just smash one in, and then the you know, it, if that happens and there's nobody in the Pontian, won't there be a little bit of sadness inside you as well? Yeah, very oh, much. 100%. And I think very much. What, what what you just said as well, isn't it? And um, you, you do go back, so so let's go back. Um, 2007, 2008, this was the squad. Um, and this was this was the Liverpool match because I don't know how we're going to line up yet, obviously against Chelsea. But against Liverpool that season, this was the squad: Steele, Hassel, Souza, Foster, Kozluk, and I have to mention it because he was taken off at 60 minutes. And Marciano van Hummert, hey, came on. Um, Devaney, the silver, Howard, Leon, he was replaced by Campbell Rice, Ferenczi, and Nadiello, who was replaced by Odejai. Um, when we played Chelsea last, uh, we were in 14th place in the Championship. 32 matches played, 40 points. Currently, um, we're 12. 27 matches played, 36 points. Steve, you first. This squad and that squad. How do you rate them? Which one rates better? Oh, wow. That's a difficult... You didn't tell me you were going to ask me that. I'll send you um, all <laughs> You didn't send me... Bloody... Anyway, no, no swearing. Um, let's face it. The, the squad, the initial squad against Liverpool and against Chelsea, we had some really, really players in that squad. Uh, Brian, uh, I'd forgotten about Souza at back. I remember him. He was a really good defender. We had some really good players. But I think we've got now, um, because let's let's be honest, I think Adam will agree with me now. The game's changed, even in such a short space of time. Uh, in 10 years, 13 years, the game's changed. Even the balls have changed. You know what I mean? And I think the players we've got now uh, are younger, um, probably train differently as well. Um, and I think are probably more, I don't know, more techli- technically gifted because that's the way the game's gone. It's not a case of, yeah, he scored against Chelsea. It was it was a good header. He used his strength. He used his bit of pace. But now there seems to be a lot more. It's a lot more technical. 
would you, would and, you agree and, if I said we have more of an identity now? I think under the last three head coaches, not just Ismail, but I think under the last three head coaches, when, when you play Barnsley, you know what to expect. And that is, you're not going to get much time on the ball. They'll play a very high line because they want to... They're forcing you into making a mistake in their area, so we haven't got far to go to go to goal. And there is an identity now that we stick to, no matter who we play. Whereas before, you know, we interviewed Simon Davy. We didn't ask him this because I don't think it's fair. When we put on social media, we were interviewing Simon Davy. I've never seen so many negative reactions. To date, he's still the longest-serving manager, and he was the manager that... that made us go on this cup run. And at that time, when we talk about struggling, but we were 14th in the league against some... I mean, this is the year I think Sheffield United went to the playoffs, you know. There were some really, really good teams. Um, is, is, is that a fair assumption that it's, it's an identity under the head coach and, you know, it's not as much... There's not so much guesswork involved at them because Chelsea know what they're going to get? Yeah, I, I there definitely has been a way of doing things with, with Barnsley over the last few years. But... Um, I look at the the squad list that that you were uh, that you read out from from back in the day, and there is a different composition to it. That you know there is a different feel to it. That does feel like a more old school kind of Barnsley approach. But equally, you look at that with Anderson in there and Brian Howard, and um, they're they're technical players. You know they're they're good they're good players that were on the ball that that everybody liked to see. Um, that was the year before I started um, as the regular Barnsley reporter for Radio Sheffield. So, uh, 08-09, I think, was my first full year. Um, and I still remember back then, you know, Barnsley, I mean, went through a period where it was very much like a midfield diamond that, that tended to be played quite a lot uh, around that time, I seem to remember. So, things have changed. But I, I think there's... There's definitely more experience in, in that team from, from back in the day. I can't disagree with anything that uh, Stephen was saying. But um, equally so, I think it, it to compare the, the Premier League and the gap between the top end of the Premier League to everybody else, for me, is what has changed more than anything. Yeah. And... Chelsea will have had undoubtedly an exceptional team back then and were and were very successful. But the way that the, the, the big clubs have got bigger and have grown and the depth that Chelsea have got now, I mean, Barnsley should get absolutely nowhere near them this week. In in reality. Yeah. Yeah. And did you yeah. watch Adam? Did you did you cup game when we played beginning of the season? Did you watch us against Chelsea when we lost six? Was it six nil? It was six nil, yeah, wasn't it? Six nil in the League Cup. Yeah. No, I, di- I didn't do that game, but obviously I'm I'm well aware of it, and that's that's the kind of appro- kind of thing I'm talking about. Yeah, you know, but do, they, you, they... do you th- do you think watching now though that we are a different team to what to to who lost at Stamford Bridge at start of season? Because I think I think we are. I think we've pushed on quite yeah. a bit through Ishmael. Um, obviously. I mean, he's a scary guy, let's be honest. Um, I wouldn't like to meet him on a dark night going up Shambles Street. Uh, he, he frightens me to death, so I'm sure he does his, his players. But, you know, you look at how we're playing now to how we were playing towards the end of his reign, and, and and I think we do seem to play with a lot more passion, a lot more positivity than we were doing. Um, I, I'd say there is even more energy I'd, I'd say it's sort of like supersized 
in a way, for want of a better phrase. I, I think there's there's even more running, there's even more pressing, there's even more focus on sort of uh, getting that ball from back to front as quickly as possible. I know Carlo was talking earlier about that there are similar traits with, with all the head coaches that have been over previously, as with Daniel Stendhal and with Gerhard Struber and into Valerian Ishmael. And, and I do think there is consistent threads running through all of them. But I do think this is this is as if it's gone from fourth to fifth, or you know, you've you've gone from large to supersize, and he's he's trying to just extract that little bit more out of all the players, and trying to get yeah. them to push on even more and play at that full tilt against uh, Chelsea. I mean, the the key then, I've got no doubt that Barnsley will will do that and potentially cause some problems. It's just how the defence deals with the quality that what Chelsea have, and that that for me will be. Um, the difference this week it's how how Barnsley's back three deal with Chelsea do you think that Tuchel will have any sort of inclination of how we play will he have even heard of Barnsley oh yeah oh yeah yeah. I I, I mean don't get me wrong these are people that have got uh, you know entire teams around them I know he's new to the country um, but equally um, they'll they'll have they'll have done the work. They'll have looked at, at Barnsley. I mean, it it won't be a massive surprise. I don't think how Barnsley are going to play, but will he expect Barnsley to perform as well as they might? Maybe not. I mean, Barnsley just got to hope that they can catch them off guard a little bit. I also watched the game last night, and I agree, Barnsley will press Chelsea more than Sheffield United pressed pressed Chelsea. But I think there was there was. You know, little crumbs of comfort out of that game last night that Barnsley can sort of cling on and think, you know, yeah, you know, 90% of the time, 95% of the time, we'll lose this game. But there's there's still an opportunity there. There's still a little bit, you know, all the things, stay in the game, defend well, create a few chances, take your chances, and it's a cup game. And it all has to be done on the night. So that's also a bonus. And it's very rare for a Barnsley fan to be able to say, I'm not so worried about our defence. We, we we hailed Michael Solbauer, absolutely hailed him as the saviour last season, and look what he did this season. And then they bring back Toby Civic, who couldn't get a match minute for KV or stand. He's come back, and within two weeks, he's he's giving us not even glimpses, but he's giving us consistently almost the same reliability as Solbauer, but with an extra, he's like the TDI version, isn't he? He's got that little bit of an injection of pace that maybe Solbauer hasn't got. Um, about the FA Cup, though, um, Steve, the referee, Mark Atkinson, I can still hear uh, Matt Letissier at the game against Liverpool, who, um, when, when, when Liverpool played Barnsley in the fourth round in 07-08, um, he denied a stonewall penalty against uh, Brian Howard. And I can still yeah. hear Matt Letitia marking Atkinson, you're having a laugh, aren't you? <laughs> and um, he's the referee again. The assistant referees, Dan Cook, Sean Macy, the fourth official, Kevin Friend. Are we worried, given some of the refereeing mistakes that we've seen at Oakwell or whenever Barnsley's been involved, probably mainly, you know, the, the shovel on Corley Woodrow when a defender, and I can't even remember who it was, uh, heads it into his own net and then gets a free kick. Are we worried about the standard that that might actually impact a potentially really great night for us, Steve? I think um, referees are definitely getting a bad press at the minute. Uh, Some of it rightly so as well. Uh, There has been some shocking decisions, not just for us. I'm I'm sure every football supporter in the country can say they've had worse referee in the world. Um, but there has been some poor decisions 
uh, there's been poor decisions in Premiership uh, as well as through other other divisions as well. Um, the only thing that worries me at times with referees coming down to us, um, I don't think Martin Atkinson is as bad as as some, as in he wants any of the spotlight. I'm not saying that other referees want any of the spotlight. However, sometimes you think that they sort of want to take centre stage. I'm sure he, in his own mind he won't favour Chelsea because Chelsea are a Premiership club and we are not. But there's all that worry amongst amongst us colloquial supporters, I suppose, if you want, that it's one rule for one and one rule for another. Not that I'm stating that it is at all, and I wouldn't dream of saying such a thing. <laughs> and without putting on the spot, because I don't think it's fair, there's always been an issue with refereeing. And we've said on this show, I started this five years ago, and I intend uh, to continue this, that I, I feel part of the reason the standard is as it is, because referees can make any decision, but never have to explain it to anyone. After the match, I, 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 Adam, you know, after a match... I believe that it's some sort of contractual agreement that a member of management, normally the head coach or the manager, and a player are up for press duty to talk about the game. And if the manager's lost 6-0 or 1-9-0, that don't matter. He has to do that. And a player comes as well. How refreshing would it be that in between the home team and the away team, a referee can come on, and if there's nothing to talk about, he can go and sit again. But... Um, it's been trialled in other countries, and here I go again. But yes, they did it in Holland for two years where they had to um, explain, and the standard went up because they learned from some of the things that were going wrong. Adam, we are miles away from that because, um, as I keep saying, referees are almost a little bit like the royal family. They make decisions, but they never really have to explain why. Um, I, I, I see what you're saying. I think there's... Uh essentially far too much criticism of referees in general um i who would really want to be a referee is beyond me because yeah. you just get so much abuse and we cannot have a game of football without a referee they're gonna make mistakes now a lot of the issues this season are around law some are around technology um there's still teething problems with VAR in the Premier League quite clearly, but a lot of the, the frustration that people have is around, like I said, elements of law, changes in law, regular changes um, in law. And I, I just feel that rather than, I get what you're saying, and I would welcome every now and again, particularly when there's been a key issue, that there's the ability for a referee to come and talk after a game and just explain things. Communication is, um, you know, absolutely key. And PGMOL are getting hammered a lot because of the, the way that they communicate yeah. and all that. The, 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 the improvement I advocate, and I genuinely think this is a no-brainer and would make things 100 times better straight away, we just need to hear the referee on the pitch. We've, there's, there's clips going around of Australia at the minute where, where they do it where you can hear the conversations between the, the VAR and the referee. We can hear this in rugby. We can hear it in cricket. And if you can hear the decision-making and why they're doing this and why they're doing that, it takes the heat out of it. They don't then don't have to come and talk after the game. Now, admittedly, in, in the championship, say, and there's no VAR or whatever else, then, yeah, you might need the referee to come afterwards. But just think about that. I mean, if, if we could hear the conversations that are going on, 
it would improve the referees because it would you'd quickly hear what they're saying and if they are saying things that are just nonsense then you'd take that out but it just opened things up a bit it just feels at the minute like that 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 referees are this little closed group that feel under siege that are, are, are in the in the tower that people are throwing spears and everything at them and they're afraid and they and thus because of that they're making errors that they might not necessarily otherwise do. I think they can help themselves and help us by opening themselves up a little bit in that uh, way. And, yeah. Sorry, and, Carlo. Go on, sorry, mate. No, go I was going to say, just to, just to play devil's advocate with that one, like you said, they've used it in rugby now for quite a while. You can listen to the referee when he's making his decisions. Do you think it's difficult with football because of the way that players act towards the referees? As in, you know, you'd hear what the referee was going to say, but also his mic would probably pick up the effing and jeffing, etc., from Aspilicueta while he's trying to get and not sent off and all. Do you know what I mean? Would he I do not... know what you mean. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, I also think if you think rugby players and cricket players don't eff and jeff on well, the field as well, then that's a little uh, naive for the sake of it. Um, I also think it shouldn't be... I, I hear this a few times. I also don't think that should be used as an excuse not to do it. I actually think that's a reason for doing it. Winning, because yeah. if it stops players hounding referees, surrounding them, abusing them, shouting this, that and the other at them, and there is a little bit more understanding and respect between the both, then I only think that can be a benefit for the game. Yeah. You're yeah. right. Initially, we might, as a game, have to take a little step back. Because if we do <laughs> get mic things up, some referees might say something that, that doesn't go down well. We might pick up some things from some players that we don't like them saying. But actually, in the long run, I think that will be for the benefit. It could create yeah. some car crash moments short term, but long term, I think it would be better. Right. Um, to round off then, um, Thursday, Chelsea. Sunday, Brentford away. And a week after on Wednesday, Blackburn at home. So in, in, in the space of sort of like a week, three matches, Um Talked about Chelsea. I know it's very, very difficult um, to give any sort of um, forecast of any score. Steve, what are you hoping to see? Let's put it that way. On Thursday, like like Adam said, um, you look at Chelsea, you look at the team they've got, the players they've got, you, it, it, mountain to climb for us, but it's there. It's FA Cup chances there. I just want to see a good performance I'd like to see. I'm not into the, you know, the the long ball that we seem to have been playing over the last few few games when we seem to be. I'm hoping we've got that sort of uh, composure on ball. I'd like to see DK come in. Uh, I just want to see a good performance. Uh, result itself, I'd love a win. I'm being realistic. I just want a good performance and see some good football. Adam, I think that's all Barnsley fans can hope for, really, isn't it? Being realistic. Stay true to our values, which is you give 100%, you fight for every ball, and we stick to our game plan. And at the end of the 90 minutes, one team will go through and the other will have done well. Yeah, you just got to go approach the game. Um, I think as long as Barnsley go out there and give a good account of themselves and don't leave anything out there, don't leave any frustrations, then... Um, whatever the the outcome, then you'll come away and it won't impact the the league or anything like that. I don't think it will. Whatever happens, but that's yeah. always a concern. Say if Barnsley like lose five or six or something like that, it might do. I don't think it will. Realistically, probably about three one to Chelsea. 
he's about as good as can be hoped for. I'd like to see Barnsley score. That'd be great because that is a you know as a supporter, that's exactly what you want to see your team doing against the big yeah. teams. Um, maybe the, the the chances keep it tight, get a draw through, and penalties. You know, that's it's all yeah, possibilities. Yeah. It's all yeah, yeah. That's that's the beauty of the no replays that there is that chance. Yeah. And I suppose we're not denying they've got a... The last time we met them, they were the European champions. At this moment in time, they might not be. But there is no denying that in every inch of every locker, um, they are breaming with talent. Um, but can they do it on a frosty uh, Thursday evening at Oakwell? Uh, remains seen. Adam, as always, the last question, completely personal one. How does the BBC decide who does the commentary? <laughs> is it sort of like is it like the highest bidder wins, or, or how does it? Is it somebody who makes a decision? We we put it into a highly intelligent computer, Carlo, and it and it churns out. No, it's nothing to do with that. Um, it's essentially me, Andy, and Mike sitting down with a diary uh, every few weeks. Well, every week at the minute, because of the nature of how things are at the minute, we yeah. can't really plan too far ahead. Uh, in in normal times, shall we say, every five or six weeks we sit down and we just divvy things up. Andy, a sports editor, obviously gets first dibs on everything. Sports ed- <laughs> hey, and that's not not complaining. You know, that's sports editor's privileges. And if I was in his position, I'd probably do the same. Um, but we just make sure that we we're all seeing all the local teams as regularly as we possibly can. We're all doing long away trips and and whatever else. We're all sort of presenting praise or grumble, and it tends to work like that. So some months. I might get one Barnsley game. Other months, I might get two or three. As it turns out, I've not done Barnsley for a few games. I'm doing Chelsea. I'm doing Brentford. So I'm really looking forward to the next uh, the next few days ahead. Absolutely. Adam, as always, um, uh, a huge pleasure to talk to you. And I'd hear another angle. Um, just thinking back about the whole referees. As a football fan, you think they ruined the game. But actually, in the big scheme of things, they're just doing a job, aren't they? And it's a very difficult job against 22 people with completely opinions. Yeah. Thank you very much. Um, let's the finish. Let's catch up again in a couple of months towards the end of the season and see where we are. Uh, much love to the family and to the missus. Steve, you can go to bed now. Well done. Thank you. <laughs> this is for the fans. The vibe. Well, Bounsley fans excited. A deadline day signing from the other side of the pond. And as a bonus feature, uh, he just made his debut for the national team as well. So rather than going through Wikipedia, which is something Steve and me normally do to come up with facts about the players. <laughs> we'll live um, with Wikipedia. <laughs> you change Wikipedia. I and do. We've got with us, <laughs> we've got with us uh, Taylor from the UK official Orlando FC uh, supporters group. Um, Taylor, first of all, thanks for joining us. Yeah, pleasure to be on, guys. Um, so excited to speak about Daryl DK, right? I know. Um, Daryl DK, uh, a young lad, a striker. He looks a bit of a beast, as, as, as we would say here. Um, what what type of player is he? Because you, you can look at social media and they'll have a lovely montage of some of the goals that he scored. But um, during a game, what sort of player is he? What, what can we expect? So the first thing Barnsley fans are going to recognise with this guy, he's an absolute specimen. He's a beast, like you said. Um, he's 20 years old. Um, I think the EFL Championship defenders are going to be, you know, thinking that's a joke. But the guy's 20 years old, um, six foot one tall, 220 pounds. So he's a physical specimen. I mean, he's built really like an NFL player rather than a football soccer player. So that's the first thing you're going to recognise when you see this guy. You know, he looks like a bull in a china shop, but we'll come on to it later in this um, this show. But, you know, he can play as well. He's not just a bully. So... Yeah, that's the first thing you're going to notice about Daryl Deacon. 
and you must be go on taylor go on steve to perhaps an existing striker now you know obviously because a lot of barnsley fans will not have seen him mm. um you know what what's a striker that's playing now would you perhaps compare him to if you could do you know what honestly like hand on heart with daryl Dika, there's not many to compare him to um the best i can do and it's not really a good comparison because he's completely at the end of his career but Daryl DK was the second ranked strongest player on FIFA 21. I know that's in the virtual world, but Akin Fenwell was the other guy, obviously, in the championship. Yeah. Wickham, um, only the, the only player stronger than him. So he is so unique. There's not many out there like him. Um, but yeah, in terms of strength and physicality, I mean, he's got the lot. Yeah. I'm, I'm quite happy because I thought you were going to say, well, he's very much like Emil Heskey. So I thought, well, at least, at least that's... definitely <laughs> <laughs> not like him. <laughs> Taylor, the, the Championship, as you well know, it, it's a very fast and it's, it's a physical league. Yeah. But I think more than anything, especially this season, it tends to be match day on, you know, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, mm. Wednesday. How, how different is that from the, uh, from the MS, uh, MLS? First of all, the type of games, and second, the schedule. Yeah, so I mean, obviously, you know, we're, we're all in England. We all know how thick and fast the games are coming. DK's going to have to get up to speed with that. I mean, in Major League Soccer, we play 34 regular season games. Um, obviously, last year in 2020, it was a congested schedule because of COVID-19. So we did play more kind of um, midweek Saturday, midweek Sunday. Um, but obviously, there's a load more games here in England. So, you know, he's going to have to adapt to that, make no... um you know, apologies for that, but, um, but, you know, I think he's going to relish it. Um, he's obviously got the size. Um, remember with this guy, he really has had a meteoric rise. So he only came out of college this time last year. I think that's what everyone needs to remember with this guy. You know, he's literally been on the scene five minutes, um, to put a cliche, but, you know, he, despite all of that, this guy is talented, you know, in just one season, he's put up eight goals, four assists. Um, he was a big part of the reason we finished in the playoffs in the Eastern Conference last season. So I don't think any Barnsley fan should be looking on his inexperience as a too much of a negative. This is definitely a guy that is is on the up in his career. So is the MLS where you in America, is it the same sort of draft pick that they use for American football? Obviously, it's different. It's a lot different here. Um, but when they pick him out of college, was they, were, there, were there other teams that wanted him, obviously, to join them? Were Orlando lucky to get him, sort of? Yeah, I'm glad you've asked on this. So, yeah, obviously, everyone's familiar in England with the NFL draft. And um, the MLS is essentially the same thing. All American sports have a draft system. Um, we selected Daryl DK from the University of Virginia um, last year, and he was he was the fifth pick overall. So he was quite high up. Um, I know a lot of teams wanted him. Um, to be fair, most people thought he was going to go one to four. So the fact we picked him up fifth really was, you know, kind of a surprise and we were very happy with it. But obviously the way the draft works quickly for listeners of, um, of this show is that um, Orlando haven't had a great history in our short MLS period. Um, last season was by far and away our best season, the first season we've made the playoffs. So we've been a bit of an also ran, um, a bit of a poor side in MLS up until right now. So just because of that, that is why we were able to get someone like DK, because um, it's all based on your league position. Because in 2019, we finished quite low in the Eastern Conference, um, we were able to get one of the 
better college talents in this case DK last year so that's a very brief explanation of the draft but that's how we managed to um to get him from Virginia which is the college he obviously started out at brilliant and you're saying he's made a huge impact you talked about his goals and and his assists um how have fans perceived this loan move and excuse my ignorance but where is the MLS now are you pre-season is the season starting in a few weeks or is the season finished because obviously we're mid-season here but that's not the case over there is it absolutely yes so we we're in the off season now so um typically obviously covid has um altered things slightly but typically any major league soccer season will take place from march to um to around november when the playoffs take place as well um, the 2021 season will take place on April 3rd. We have had that start date review of last week. Obviously, Barnsley's season is um, run until May 8th when you guys have got Norwich City. So, um, so you know, in terms of how this move was perceived, I mean, it came, it was a bolt of the blue. It came out of nowhere on deadline day last Monday, um, especially for me, you know, like I'm into the chair. Especially for us, I think, for everybody, weren't it? <laughs> It really did, and I'll be completely honest, hand on heart, it was it was bittersweet for me as a massive um, Orlando fan, massive MLS fan, because there's a guy last season that's burst onto the scene. He was amazing for our team. We obviously want to get any of our players to Europe. You know, that's where the place to be. You know, that's where you know you develop your career. But it was bittersweet for me because I was like, damn, you know, we've we've let him go to England, which is amazing on one hand, but. He's going to miss a month of the season. And I think that's the crucial thing here. He's only going to miss a month if he comes back. Um, and then, you know, we'll come on to it. But the full expectation from me and other Orlando City supporters is that this is a guy who's developing. This is going to be good for him, this loan move. But we want him back. We, we love him. <laughs> we don't want to give him up. You, you've, you've seen on my Twitter, I bought a DK Barnsley shirt. But, <laughs> you know, we, this is very much temporary from, um, from our perspective. <laughs> this is um but it is it is a genuine talking point on social media when it was announced it's a great development opportunity um it's a great league to sort of cut your teeth in and and to be on um i suppose well in the shop window for you know if yeah. he is that talent premier league um barnsley have a, a, a i suppose a a good pedigree of taking young talented players, yes. uh, developing them and selling them on. When you look at players such as Mawson, Pinnock, Hurahan, yes. um, you know, but Barnsley player, sorry, Barnsley fans fully fully expect with a, a pre-agreed price being agreed on paper that if this low move works out um, for both uh, Daryl DK and ourselves, that he will be a Barnsley player going forward into the 2021-2022 season. But um, fans of Orlando see it slightly different. Well, listen, I've got a few quotes here. Um, obviously, um, you know, when he signed last Monday, you know, from our side across the pond, a lot of quotes went out. Then Dane Murphy, your American CEO, came out with his quotes, you know, that um, pretty much refuted the facts that this there was this 20 million. And I mean, that is a lot of money. There was this 20 million dollar fee talked about. I think Barnsley and Orlando City supporters now know that, you know, that's not the fee. It's much, much lower than that. I'm not going to come on here and say I know what it is because I don't. It's guesswork. But the interesting thing, and I'll, I'll read these quotes now. We want him back, absolutely. Um, but we want him to do well, obviously, as well. You know, we will see what happens. Football is a funny game. But Lewis Muzi, so um, for Barnsley supporters, he's our, you know, executive of soccer operations now. 
He said last Monday, um, and I'll read it. This was his quote. Um, bear with me one second. Um, now he said, we believe this opportunity with Barnsley will present another step in DK's career to not only develop him in a new footballing environment, but to challenge himself in a new country. And we're excited for him to bring those learnings back to us here in Orlando. Now, <laughs> clearly, you know, he wants him back in Orlando. And DK himself, on the official Orlando City website last week, DK said, I'm excited to continue my development and keep up my fitness while with Barnsley and look forward to bringing what I learned back to Orlando to continue our success here in MLS. Now, that's all the stuff on paper, the PR stuff. Obviously, you know, if he does well for you guys, you know, you guys will want him. Of course you will. You know, you say you've been crying out for a striker like him. He'll also be in the shop window. I mean, you guys are playing Chelsea this week, aren't you? So there's going to be so many more eyes on this guy than there was already. So we've seen it in football, you know, things happen, you know. But um, in terms of, you know, a young talent, um, he, yeah, we think he's got it, definitely. But, you know, we'll see it on the pitch. We, we were gutted we couldn't see him Saturday against Derby. I know. I know, same here. <laughs> I'll not tell you what I did, but it involved a cordless screwdriver, raw plug, and everything else. Um, the expectation of, of any Barsley player in the style that we play, that even off the ball, you've got a huge amount of work. So, Coley Woodrow, when not in the ball, it's about that high intensity, gig and press, whatever you want to call it. But, you know, we, we don't want the opponent to have the ball sort of longer than five, six seconds, and we, and we, we want to get it back. And from everything you've said to us, that's not going to be a problem for him, is it? Because he seems, he looks absolutely super fit. And to be fair, he stepped off the plane, he had COVID test. Uh, there was a little clip on the Barnsley FC website where he, you know, he, he turned up in the car, he got his kit, and then he got, he, he got changed, went yes. training, did the press conference. Um, is he that type of player that can that can bring that with him, so to speak? That, that sort of high work ethic of... You know, it's not just about me getting a ball and scoring a goal. It's about me getting that ball back and maybe playing other people in. Yeah, I mean, it has been a whirlwind for him, hasn't it? I mean, his whole life has completely changed, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, I know you guys play um, the 3-4-3 under um, my old. You have Callum Britton and Callum Styles whipping the balls in, don't you? I yeah. think the most important thing with DK to note is that he's not a one-trick pony. So obviously you guys will be crossing for me six foot one. You know, of course he's, you know, a... Um, a competitor in the air, but this guy can play with the ball at his feet as well. Um, you know, he loves picking it up, you know, he plays with his back to goal. He loves picking it up, spinning, using his strength. I mean, we'll see in the championship. That's what I'm eager to see, whether he can, you know, mix it, rough it with the championship defenders. But we've seen him with his back to goal, spinning on it and literally just using his brute force, knock people out of the way and, you know, get shots off. So he... He can play with the ball at his feet. That's that's the thing that, you know, Barnsley supporters should know. He's not just a one-trick pony, just headers. He's scored all kinds of goals. And I know YouTube, you know, it only shows you half the story. But, um, you know, this guy scored some nice goals for us last season. Um, so, yeah, you should definitely be excited for what he's got to offer. Looking at YouTube, I mean, obviously YouTube and, and the TikTok stuff he does. And obviously he's got a lot more followers on Twitter this last week mm -hmm. um we like i mean myself and carla we've talked about it many times it's it's nice to have a character yeah. uh, in a football club that is sometimes it's always a little bit too staid a bit too boring if you want to put it that way yeah. it's not nice a bit of a character would you say he's got that sort of 
you know, gregarious character that he's going to come out and I'll not say do silly things, but, you know, yeah, fade away again and again. Well, the, the thing with DK, like, um, he's just 20 years old. So, you know, obviously he's hugely marketable because, you know, the States are, um, you know, producing a lot of players you see and a lot of them come to Europe now. So there's a lot of pressure on his shoulders from the States. Um, but I think this guy's going to relish it. He is, he is quite quiet. He obviously, you know, he's 20 years old, so of course he's on social media um, and enjoys all of that things. But he's quite a modest guy um, in his season with Orlando City. You know, um, he doesn't seem one of the loudest guys on our team. He, you know, he's got a good attitude. He buckles down. Um, but yeah, like I said, he, he's 20 years old, so um, he's learning all the time. Um, I say he's got some. He's got some moves on that TikTok, and he can knock uh, knock a few shapes out. Absolutely. So, uh, <laughs> battling the dancers on Barnsley, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, any any sort of goal celebration we can look forward to, or is he just one of them hands in the air and, you know, let's start again? I think he's trying to work it out, to be honest with you. He's not, um, yeah, he's not had like a um, a signature um, celebration or anything like that yet. Um, the guy's still cutting his teeth. So, you might well see something uh, that he makes up in his yeah. uh, time at Barnsley. Something new. Something new. And, <laughs> In in our in our uh, you mentioned it earlier three four three is the way we play. Can he play anywhere along those uh, in, in you know those form three positions? Has he got a, has he got a preference of being centrally or on the left or on the right? Yeah. So last season, so um, he pretty much played all of 2020 at Orlando City as the lone striker um, in a four two three one is what um, our head coach Oscar Pereira played last season. Um, sometimes he was as part of a two with um, I mean everyone will know Nanny who's um, our captain at Orlando City still. Sometimes Nanny just played just off him as a second striker, but I know you guys play Corley Woodrow um, as your nine. Um, Daryl DK is an out-and-out nine. Um, You won't see him playing off the sides. I mean, you might, but I I very much doubt it under his miles. So um, I fully expect, you know, um, Woodrow to still be your starter. Um, DK, you know, in these early weeks, a wild card option off the bench, but he's very much a number nine being six foot one. And, and can I ask um, your affiliation then with, with Orlando? Where where did that come from? Absolutely. So um, we get asked this all the time. Why Orlando City? Um, I mean, I'm an Arsenal supporter first and foremost from birth. Um, but Orlando City, you know, I think everyone has some room in their hearts for, you know, a backup club. You know, there's no direct competition at all. Um, that's exactly what Orlando City are to me. And like many Brits, you know, I was lucky enough to go over there as a kid growing up. It's just, it's an amazing destination. You've got Disney World, Universal Studios, International Drive, amazing holiday destination that, you know, I'll take my kids to and I've been lucky enough to continue going to as an adult growing up. So really it is a second home for me. Um, So when the team um, was announced as an MLS team, we were a minor league team before that, but when we were an MLS team in 2015, it was just a team. It was an easy decision to say, I'm going to root for those guys. And it's grown and grown ever since. Um, a year into establishing my Twitter account, because we just started as a Twitter account, like many people, um, I officially became affiliated with the club. So we are um, the UK's official fan club um, of Orlando City, which was you know, a massive moment of pride for me. And what we do is what most, you know, fan accounts do. You know, we interview past um, current players. We, um, you know, preview the games. We review them, give player ratings. And 
we've been doing it since 2015 so um you know it's a, it's a great source of um of joy um, last season was better than the other ones but um <laughs> but yeah you know like when we, when we get a player come to england it's just immense pride really because mls is growing um it's getting a lot better contrary to what most brits think um and we're hoping you know we're hoping a guy like dk can come over and showcase what he's all about so i think we're all interested to see and and i suppose with um if you look at the ownership of Barnsley, with billy bean having uh you know a, a stake in the club with dane murphy his mm-hmm. playing career it was a dc united um and, and and without going political i mean they did say for a club like Barnsley with a limited budget especially mm-hmm. wages wise because of brexit it's going to be very hard to get players from europe to come and yeah. to get um work permits um, yeah. I, I have read that there is, and obviously it's speculation, there is a, 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 a an understanding that DK has to play a certain amount of games or, or game time um, mm-hmm. while whilst he's um, whilst he's with us. Um, but if there are com- uh, uh, talents, I suppose, like DK in the MLS, it, it could be a whole new market because these players are affordable, even for Barnsley, which in the Championship are probably in the bottom five of mm-hmm. of, 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 of wage, wage budgets. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, while no one knows what his exact asking price is, um, it's a new emerging market. I mean, you know, um, I could give you a few examples. You know, recent years, you know, you've got the Canadian lad Alfonso Davies at Bayern Munich who came from Vancouver Whitecaps. You've got Miguel Almiron who got a brace, you know, at the weekend for Newcastle, came out of Atlanta United. Um, and you saw, you know, even in the championship on deadline days, so you guys got DK. Um, Swansea got Paul Ariola from DC United um, on a similar deal and got Jordan Morris from Seattle Sounders earlier in January. So it is an emerging market and it will be interesting to see um, if more clubs, you know, like yourselves at Barnsley, explore these kind of deals. Like, I'm not 100% on, you know, the work permit criteria and things like that, but I understand the move was only ratified because he played the day earlier for the US men's national team which was his debut. He got 25 minutes off the bench. So without that, you know, that debut, I don't think the move would have materialised from my understanding. Yeah. And you said earlier, you're an Arsenal fan. So mm-hmm. there's, that's three reasons for you to back Barnsley on Thursday against Chelsea. We're playing Chelsea. Well, you being yeah. Arsenal fan. We've got an Orlando player who now plays for Barnsley. So um, <clears throat> I suppose um, if he was to get any game time, for mm-hmm. anybody in the world to make a debut for a new team against, a, yeah. you know, a team like uh, Chelsea, that's the stuff uh, dreams are made of, isn't it? It really is, and I'm so glad you asked me about this. I mean, I'm an Arsenal supporter, so as you've guessed, I detest Chelsea, hate everything. <laughs> I remember, right, and this is the interesting bit, DK, right, so he's obviously American, he's of Nigerian heritage. I very well remember when another Nigerian, Coyote Odajai, put Chelsea out, <laughs> In 2008, yeah. so I'm hoping and praying that you know something similar, big target man up front can happen this Thursday. Who knows? Maybe it will. Well, it'll be interesting because it is a busy schedule, and whilst the the match against Derby has been postponed, I think it's now to be played in March, I believe. You know, yeah. it's 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 a busy schedule, and if you're playing against Chelsea, what better way to look at an, a new arrival? Yeah. 
um, than than to do that on Thursday. Um, mm-hmm. Taylor, would it be okay in a couple of weeks when we've seen them play um, to sort of do this again and, and and catch up? We'll then know who will play in the next round of the FA Cup because we're obviously oh, Chelsea yes. will be. Of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Chelsea will be out by then. And when we put it on Twitter, obviously, as always, we'll ask our followers as well. And we ain't got that many, but we will ask them um, to follow you as well. And it'll be really, really good. Um, thanks very much for your time. Um, yeah, really appreciate I, it, guys. Thank you for having me. Without bias, um, any score prediction for Barnsley versus Chelsea? Oh, um, it's going to be tough. I mean, obviously, I'm pulling, I'm pulling for you guys, but the way Tuchel's come in and he's unbeaten so far, it's going to be tough. But who knows? We've seen it before, back in 2008. So, 1-0 Barnsley, why not? Yeah, yeah why not? I like why, it. Wear like your Barnsley shirt next time you come on. I will. I will. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Got it printed and ready. <laughs> Taylor, cheers. Thanks very much, guys. Appreciate it. This is for the fans. The vibe. Hi, Simon. Thanks for joining us. At the start of the 07-08 season, six players had left the club and you brought in 14 new players. What was the club's expectation for that coming season? The club's expectation every season was to maintain championship status. Um... We'd had a set budget every year, um, and the goal when you sit down with the board of directors was stay in the division and make sure that we're competitive and play attractive football. And we felt that we achieved that every year. Um, but yeah, it was the same same goal every year. The FA Cup takes us to Anfield, but because of injury, we're in desperate need of a keeper. How frantic was the search, and did this affect the other players? Um, I don't think it impacted the squad mentally. Um, the search was frantic. We we had players in on loan uh, that were cup tied, couldn't play in the in the fixture. We had trialist goalkeepers that came in. Uh, one unfortunately um, broke his leg in training. Um, so as we were getting down to the wire, I made a call to Tony Mowbray. Um, he said he had a young keeper, Luke Steele. Um, brought him in and took him in on loan and. He performed excellent in training. I looked at him, threw him in at the deep end, and I think the rest is history. He had a game of his life at Anfield, and he's gone on to have a, a fantastic career. Does playing at a stadium like Anfield make it easier for you as a manager to motivate the players? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think that um, most players are motivated every game. When you're a professional football player, you are motivated for every game. Maybe, you know cold, wet, windy Tuesday in December might be a little bit more challenging, but when you go into Anfield and you have the You Never Walk Along song coming out over the tannoy and all the fans singing, I don't think it needs much motivation for those players. Uh, It was just mainly can we concentrate on what the game plan was and uh, can we execute it. During the game, what went through your head when Brian Howard was brought down in the box? And the ref just waved play on. I thought it was apparently straight away. Um, but as you know and experience tells you, when you're at Anfield and you're in front of the cop and there's probably two minutes left in the game, it would be very brave of a referee to uh, to award a penalty against Liverpool in front of their home fans. Um, but he didn't. And unfortunately, we continued to play on. Um, the players picked themselves up and, and within, I think, 30 seconds, the ball was in the net and Brian Howard had scored. So, um, you know, as history has it, 
if we'd have taken the penalty, we might have missed the penalty. We didn't, and uh, fortunately he scored, and we, we went through that round. Following the late winner, um, absolute scenes in and off the pitch, what do you tell the players in the changing room after such a momentous victory? It's same every every game, but probably with a little bit of emotion. Um, you know, they performed and deserved their win at a historic ground against world-class players. And, you know, I think whatever I said, whether it was a well done, a, a pat on the back, I don't think anybody would have been listening. They were all elated in, in their own little worlds. And, uh, you know, it was a, a fantastic achievement by them and uh, one that they'll remember all their days. You've beaten Liverpool. All eyes are now on Barnsley. You've got Chelsea at home in the next round. You're at Oakwell, um, live on the BBC. What is the advice to the players? And did you think you could get anything from that match? I felt that we could get a result in every game we played. You know, whether it be a league game, a cup game, against a, a lower division or against a Premier Premier League side, you don't go in as a manager and as a coach to feel that you can't get a result. And, if we perform to the best of our ability and execute the tactics right, you know, and they may be just a little bit off on the day as world-class players, that you could get a result. And, you know, the players exceeded my expectations. They, they, they did everything that was asked of them and more, and, and they thoroughly deserved their win. We mentioned before that there were uh, quite a few foreign players in the squad. Uh, were there any issues in trying to make clear to these players how important the FA Cup is as a competition? No, not at all. I think every player that I had and brought in from all over the world grow up as children and little boys watching TV and probably the only game they, they saw was the FA Cup and the FA Cup final. So they were well aware of the importance of FA Cup and were you know excited to be playing in such a prestigious tournament. So it, it, it wasn't uh, any educating I had to do for them. That cup run is still talked about now and as we're about to face Chelsea at home in round five again, um, do you look back and do you look at those results and that cup run as the more, sort of most momentous achievement whilst you were Barnsley manager? Yes, absolutely. I think you know my goal every year was to stay in the division. We did that. Um, but to you know get to Wembley um, for the first time in 96 years, uh, to to play Chelsea at home and beat them, uh, who were the current European champions, to play against world-class players, to go to Anfield and win at Anfield. You know, that's my proudest moments uh, and a great season. And, you know, I uh, I treasure, treasure them and I'll be showing videos of them to my grandchildren and until uh, until long before I go. So we've sort of looked back at that cup run in preparation for our uh, round five match against Chelsea on Thursday. But what is Simon Davy up to nowadays? I now run a, a club in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, a youth club called Southern Soccer Academy. We uh, we also have a, um, a USL2 franchise where I'm the general manager. So I oversee um, a club as if like a sporting director would be in, in Europe. And uh, I look after the programme from four-year-olds four all the way through to seniors um, with, a, with a little less pressure than I would have had in England. And just to close off, when you look at that run that we, um, that we had, and you look at the match against Cardiff, is there anything, uh, in hindsight, you would have done differently? 
Um, the answer to that question is difficult. It, uh, no, I felt that we always prepared right for the games. We were unfortunate we conceded early. Um, the team I picked, I felt, was the, the right team on the day. Um, if I think if I had any regrets would be I probably should have taken a step, step back and enjoyed it more and uh, you know taken in the atmosphere because it, it goes by so quickly in those times in your life that you uh, in a situation like that you get et up in the moment and you don't you don't really appreciate it. Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel anytime. Guys, are you trying to stay in 20-year-old shape into your 30s and 40s and finding it, well, impossible? Then you need to listen to this. Beachbody, the company that revolutionized getting ripped at home with P90X and Insanity, has a brand new program just for you called Lift 4. It's part lift. It's part hit. With total body shredding results in just 30 to 40 minutes a day, right at home on the Beachbody On Demand app. That's how you get killer results as an adult. Go to Beachbody.com to sign up now and you can try Live 4 for free. That's Beachbody.com. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. The TalkSport Fan Network. The ultimate on-demand destination for the UK's best fan-led football podcasts. Want barnstorming Barnsley insight, analysis, and opinion? Follow the Reds Report podcast on the TalkSport Fan Network. Unbeatable club-dedicated content created by the fans for the fans. Search TalkSport Fan Network.